Welcome to episode 33 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. In this episode, I'm talking with Marlene Chisholm. Marlene helps C-suite leaders build drama-free cultures that drive growth and reduce costly mistakes. Check out the episode to hear Marlene's take on why almost every costly mistake in an organization can be traced back to a conversation that didn't happen. We also talk about the inner and outer game of communication and why writing is so important in business today. I hope you enjoy. Marlene, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to reconnect. I really do appreciate you being here. So before we jump jump into it, why don't you kick things off, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, career journey, and really what it is that you're working on today. Wow. Well, I started out from this part of my world uh, as professional speaking. That kind of turned into training. And as you know, professional speaking has trained a lot. It's really hard to get paid for just that. You know, so it's, it started out where I did get paid for that, went into training. Then I started seeing more opportunity and started getting little bit of opportunity for consulting, which in my mind is the umbrella that can include training, coaching, teaching, all those things. Um, started doing some work with LinkedIn Learning um, on their platform. I have five different programs there on difficult conversations, working with high conflict people. But during all of this, I started seeing this trend of what I say is the um, any big problem could be traced back to a conversation that should have happened, but didn't. So a big part of my work, even though I was writing about stop workplace drama and all that, it kind of switched into difficult conversations about performance and behavior. And I just started seeing the trend of avoiding and avoidance and especially within leadership. So it really took that turn. Then I wrote from conflict to courage, how to stop avoiding and start leading. So all of the work I've done has kind of come together now, but it really started uh, from professional speaking. And what led you to the professional speaking to really start off with that? Wow. Well, that's even a more background. Mm -hmm. I, for 21 years, I was a blue collar factory worker and uh, I wanted something different. So I went through those I guess I call it the three life tragedies where tragedy number one is, you know, you want something more, but you don't know what it is. Tragedy number two is, you know, that you know what it is you want, but you don't believe it's possible. And then the third one is, you know what you want, you believe it's possible, but now you have to take that big step and take that risk. And it just came from knowing that I had something more. And I know a lot of people go through this, even if they've been very successful in the traditional sense of the word. For me, I just knew I had something more to offer and I wanted to explore. And so I went to Toastmasters and then I went back and got a, a degree in communications and uh, uh, psychology. And then, um, from there went and got a master's degree. But during that time, it was just really that search for what do I enjoy? And it became more about me. What do I enjoy? What do I want? How can I prove my worth? And in that, I found purpose of helping other people, not only people that are struggling with purpose and identity and um, just the internal challenges, but also how to, how to really deliver your gifts and how to resolve inner conflict and outer conflict. I love that. That is fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing and quite a journey going from factory worker for over two decades into college, master's degree, starting off in public speaking. And really the work that you're doing today, I think is so important when it comes to resolving conflict. And 
something new that you said jumped out to me is this idea that really any type of conflict can be traced back to a conversation that didn't happen. I think a lot of times people think of conflict, they think because it was a miscommunication or people were talking and not seeing eye to eye. So this, this concept of conflict coming out of conversations that didn't happen is fascinating to me. And it, it really somewhat ties into the first thing that I want to talk about today is you know, we talk a lot around communication skills and the importance of communication skills, what it means to be a great communicator. So from your standpoint, with the work that you do around resolving conflict, what does it mean to you to be a powerful or a strong or a great communicator? Well, I think it's really more of a journey. I don't know if we ever, I mean, I know I've studied it and I'll, I'll never get there because there's so many facets to it. And so to try to divide it up a little, two main components, I think, would be like your inner game and your outer game. So I look at outer game and I'll just talk about my journey a little bit. At first, I was more concerned with the right pause, the right story. And it was still about me, though, in a way. I enjoyed serving for sure, but it was still about me instead of giving. And so I think there's this other part of communication, which is a deeper awareness that we have about ourselves and about where we are on our journey and why we do what we do. So I think the inner game is about our inner narrative. So in other words, if I get up to speak and a lot of people are afraid of speaking, if it becomes about, I sure hope they like me. I hope I get a standing ovation. I hope they pay me for something bigger next year. Then my intention is geared toward my own self-esteem. But if I say, I just release from anything that might happen in the future because I'm here to serve and what do they need to hear from me? And what can I give that's going to help someone today it's a richer speech. It's a richer program, even if you mess up a story, even if the pause wasn't quite right. So I look at the inner game of communication, which is my intention, how I see myself, how I prepare myself. And that comes with wisdom and maturing and, and lots of mistakes for sure. And then there's that outer game, which has to do with your ability to have a great meeting and organize your content, uh, the ability to have good grammar and and write a great memo and and all the technical skills that go with the skills building and even when it comes to building conflict capacity my outer game might be to understand the process from which i communicate that there's a starting place a middle place a place to speak a place to listen so that's more process driven more technical so i look at inner and outer and then the same rules kind of apply to conflict and then the third little globe I have on that is culture. And that's true in communication as well, because, you know, with some people, you can be sarcastic and you can have fun and it's accepted as part of how you do things. And in other areas and situations, it would seem be inappropriate. And I think communication very much aligns with the inner, the outer and the culture. Now, that's a great way to look at it. I've never really heard of or thought about this idea of the inner and the outer and for me, it sounds like, if I'm hearing this correctly, this idea of not only being self-aware, but then understanding your audience, understanding where they're coming from, what's important to them, and ultimately trying to, to serve that need. As you mentioned, if I'm just going in there that I hope they like me, I hope they you know, don't boo me off stage, or if I'm in a meeting, I hope they do what I want them to do, versus really thinking about, okay, what's important to them and how can what I'm doing today help that person achieve their goals, move something forward, whatever it may be. So I think it is that combination of two things, the inner, the outer, the self-aware, awareness of others, and adapting to that, that is important because communication isn't just a one-way street. 
that's where I think a, a common pitfall is. People just think, all right, I put my message out there in the universe. I'm good to go. But if you're just putting stuff out there, you're really not going to see the success or the action that you want. Yeah. And when you really get present, I'm, I'm just kind of recalling a workshop that I did not long ago. I, I work with a, an organization, a, a franchise system, and I help with some of their leadership academy. And I'm teaching some some skills that are a little bit difficult sometimes on having conversations and people have their ideas about conflict. In the past, when I would have gotten pushback, it would have been my goal to get them to adopt what I'm saying. And no, here's why you need to understand. And let me share with you the facts. But just in increasing my inner game and my awareness and my understanding that people are adults and they're going to choose to take what I offer or they're not. And that is their choice, 100%. So learning how to release resistance when someone says, that sounds great, but I don't think I can do it. To be able to just get curious about why not, or even to say, and you have the right not to do it. Mm -hmm. you know, so let's just like when you release that resistance toward those surprises that happen versus, okay, now I'm on a mission for everybody to adopt and believe in what I say. And yes, I know someone else says it differently, but here's why mine is the best. You know, I've really learned with time and wisdom and that really people have to find their own way and I'm there to facilitate that. So if something I say doesn't work, I don't want someone to try it because it won't come off right. So there has to be this alignment and that is that presence, that's that give and take, that's that ability to self-regulate when someone disagrees with what you say and to just be curious about it versus put off by it. That's an important part. Curiosity is really critical when it comes to communication. Typically, we just hear you, you want to learn more, you want to learn more. But to your point, really that curiosity when somebody disagrees with you or somebody's not buying in, that I think can be a stumbling point for people is because they want to dig in or they're, they're offended or they really just want to try and power through and just keep pushing their message, but really stepping back and understanding why don't you think this will work? And it could be, you know, we've tried something very similar or I'm scared. What if they do this? What if they do taking the time, really having that curiosity and trying to understand the why behind, I think can help really achieve those common goals. If you go into meetings, trying to set out and accomplish common goals for whether it's a sales meeting or you're working with a client trying to help them says, here's what we want to accomplish today. And then talk through, here's how we can get there. And always really try to go back to those common goals. Yeah. And, and something else that came to me while you were saying that, I think in the in the corporate world, sometimes, especially like in middle management, you know, like maybe director level, sometimes those folks are caught in the middle between what the top leaders want to do and how they have to support their team. There is a distinction, too, of saying and letting people know when something's really a choice and when it's not, because I think a lot of confusion comes when we pretend that there's a choice in the matter, when in fact it's coming from above. It's somewhat autocratic sometimes for, for many reasons. The research has been done. Decisions have been made. The die has been cast. If you don't let your people know that this is something that while I have asked these questions and I'm glad to go and represent the team, this is moving forward and I have to support the direction of the senior leaders who know things that we don't. So I think that's another piece too of, of avoiding as we pretend that something's a choice when indeed it is not a choice. I am sure that happens, especially the larger the organization, the more that those things happen where things are just passed down from up high and you have to carry them forward. I know I've had those experiences throughout my career, and it is always best to be very transparent. Decision's been made. Here's how we're going forward. You, you may listen to the feedback, get the feedback, and then carry it back up the chain, but 
being very clear and transparent. This is how we have to move forward. This is how things are going to be. So you, you've touched on, Marlene, a lot around conflict and avoidance. So what are some of the skills that I, I think would be important to that, or maybe that you're seeing that are really lacking and you're helping people to develop in the workforce today? One skill that I teach in the concept that's a bigger concept of the process, in like it's in chapter seven of difficult conversations, it's a blueprint, but one skill is to speak to the observed behavior. Now, there's a reason for the behavior and we can get into all of that, but what we do, and we make this mistake a lot when we're leading a conversation, we make an assumption based on the behavior and then we interpret. So we say things like, well, they're not very engaged or they don't care. It's obvious they don't care about the team or they think they're all that in a bag of chips. You know, So we say all these things, but those are interpretations. What I really help leaders focus on is naming the observed behavior because that skill stands alone. It also works within the context of this framework that I build. But for example, if someone, while you're having a meeting, if someone's crossed their arms and they're rolling their eyes, you have a couple of choices. Does that have to be a big, long, drawn out meeting or could it be, Cliff, I noticed that you're crossing your arms. Do you disagree? You can say it right there. I noticed that you crossed your arms. Now, Cliff may say, oh, no, I'm just cold. But by the very nature that you brought it up makes him and you more aware. Then later on, you can circle back and say, I just wanted to check back in. If you had time to think about it, I sensed your resistance and I want to make sure I'm reading into it right. Then you can have a real conversation if he's thought further that I wish I would have spoken up. That caught me off guard. So we're not trying to play gotcha. But what we are doing is saying, I noticed you slammed the phone down. Are you needing a break? Um, I noticed, I observed that when I asked everybody for their input, I observed that every time Kim spoke, you interrupted. Walk me through what's going on. I, I'm sensing that there might be problems. In other words, we bring that elephant into the room in a very non-threatening way. I'm not making up a story about it. I don't know if there really is tension, but I'm bringing to your awareness something that I'm looking at so that you can then increase your own awareness. So it's that's one of the skills that I teach in that process. I like that. And I was jotting some notes down here. I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old. So tension and conflict, they can be a regular part of the routine around the house when we're trying to get things done or clean rooms, do whatever. So I noticed that. Perfect. I'll, I'll use that right and say, I know you don't want to do this, or I know you're mad. Go back, tweak that language just a little bit and I'll report back to you, see if uh, that gets the rooms cleaned any, any quicker. Because it gives them a chance to own their reality versus what I know about you. You know, they can say, no, you just like, here's how it usually goes. No, you're just being too sensitive in, in the manager world, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you think, did you, are you angry at me? I saw you roll your eyes. No, you're just being too sensitive. If someone does that, you can say, perhaps I am, but this is what I need from you. In other words, no resistance. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You always mm -hmm. say that. No, I knew you would. Now we're into verbal ping pong. You just say, perhaps I am. Good point. Perhaps I am. Here's what I need from you. So that we get really clear on what we need versus the story and versus the ping pong and versus the need to be right. Here's what I need from you, regardless of whether I'm sensitive or not. This is what I need from you. And it's just that simple. And you get out of all the game playing. Avoiding the gameplay is is huge. More often than not, it's just a waste of time and energy. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of keeping momentum going, trying to keep things moving forward. And the less time you spend playing games and kind of he said, she said back and forth. Yes, no, I'm right. You're wrong. Not productive. So I love those are fantastic tips. Thank you so much. I've got another real quick one that you, that Absolutely. you that triggered in me to bring up. This is a huge one. I call it playing power of attorney. Do not allow power of attorney. What that means is someone comes in and says to you, everybody thinks, or Bill, John, Chris is not happy with your decision. You as a leader, you have to say, well, since they're not in the room, what do you feel? Oh, I'm just trying to tell you what everybody thinks. I'm not curious right now about everybody else. You came to me and apparently you think it's important. What do you think? Make people represent themselves. And if they keep trying to represent two or three other people or one other person, let's bring them into the room. Because where leaders get into this big trap is that playing power of attorney. And they do it as well whenever they need to correct a, a behavior or, or they've heard from someone that uh, Julie is causing a problem. Well, then I say to Julie, everyone says you are... Like that does not work. It creates more drama in the team. So you have to say like, I've observed some tension. I suspect something's going on. I don't know. I'm just checking in. So in other words, we don't start throwing other people under the bus of Kim said, Alicia said, Julie said, Kim said, Raul said, we represent what our concern is, or we get those people into the room. You will save so much problem if you will quit representing other people and letting other people represent others. That's great. This idea of going back to focus on the observed behavior and don't make assumptions, right? Because if you're not, if you're just doing this, say, well, I know that you're upset because so-and-so said this or because of what I saw in the meeting, typically people are going to be caught off guard. Their guard's going to go up and it's, it's not going to be productive. You're going to get caught into a stalemate. So those two tips, absolutely valuable, observable behaviors. Don't make assumptions. Thank you. Marlene, if you have to think through your career and you know, really what has led to your success today, really making that transition from working in the factory, in the school, starting the public speaking, and now into a consulting career, if you had to narrow it down to say one or two key communication skills, what would those be? If I really had to narrow it down, I was already an okay speaker and I just built that skill up and I can still improve. We can always improve that skill, mm -hmm. but I would say writing because I didn't want to write at first. In fact, my very first conference that I went to was Association for Women in Communications. And I thought it would there would be a, a track there in the breakouts about speaking and that kind of thing. And everything there, it seemed to be about public relations, PR, advertising, marketing, writing. I was not interested in any one of those things. And every single one of those things is important to be where I am today. In fact, if I wouldn't have learned how to write, I wouldn't have had the books I had. I had no interest in books. So when I started realizing that writing was such an important skill, not only in tone and in creativity and the technical, as well as the other aspects of writing, that's something you can always get better in and work on all the time. But I just started learning online. There's always free online learning, you know, about being a better writer and even in marketing copy. And I would say that that alone has been the, the best skill that I've that has helped me to, to get to where I am. Writing is something I will say that has not surprisingly come up that often. When I when I ask folks that question, it's typically your creativity or being driven or asking questions. But this writing is massively important, especially in 
today's environment where it's relied upon so much for email communication, sending out proposals, text messages, IMs, whatever it may be. And I know that when I'm on the receiving end, oftentimes of of poor writing, whether it is just the grammatical stuff, which to me are table stakes, you, you need to make sure you're getting those things right. But you know, sometimes if I'm reading an email that I get in, some maybe it's an inbound sales pitch, and I'm on my phone and I'm just like, you know, scrolling and scrolling, and, and my thumb hurts by the time I get to the bottom of the message. And more often than not, I just stop reading halfway through. I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what your core message is. So being able to effectively write and do so in a concise way that brings out your core message immediately. There's a call to action. And what are the details? What are the evidence that I might need to know or others need to know is a crucial skill. And when you nail that skill, the nice thing about it is, especially if you work in a a larger organization where there's multiple levels of people, you can send one message to someone on your team, a manager, a person above them, and maybe some reports to them. You could send them one message and it will get that right information to each person because not everyone needs to read the entire message or look at all the details and links. But if you really are able to follow a solid format, you can streamline your communication so much and you risk uh, decrease risk of errors or people just checking out and not reading your message. Well, and I think along those same lines too, is that sort of inner game of realizing when it's an email and when it's a phone call. You know, if you're angry, it's not an email. If you're angry and if you need to work through things, it's not a back and forth because your your tone is going to be harsh, even if you feel justified in the moment when you had rest and you've had a good meal and you've, you know, kind of seen a different side of things, you might look at that and go, wow, what was wrong with me? So always, you know, in my mind, email is for updates, quick action items, uh, reports. Like I'll say, like my mom's in nursing care right now. So I will sometimes use an email and I'll say, just so you'll know, no action item required, wanted you to document. There's a real strong message behind that, that I'm watching what's going on. And I don't even have to say anymore. You know, and it's not about blaming. It's about just noticed, wanted you to know, please document no action item required. Because if people don't know, like, what am I supposed to do if I have to weed through four action items? If if there's going to be four action items, step one, step two, step three, step four with dates. But really, email should be pretty simple. And be careful because emails can be given out virally. I mean, they can go viral and you didn't want it to. So I would mm-hmm. say performance evaluations, anything that's sensitive, emotional, it should probably be a phone call or a one-on-one. And then emails is more about updates and memos and connecting and, and action items. Great tips. And yeah, I, I, the idea of don't send an email when you are mad or frustrated. Frustrated is absolutely golden. That could probably have saved many a careers just by people following that point. And if an email comes in and it's you know upsets you for whatever reason, maybe you lost a deal or you know, a decision didn't go your way on something internally, or just someone came back at you the wrong way, step away, give yourself some time. When you go to respond, I always encourage folks Take the email out of that two line. Just give yourself ample time to write, rewrite, so you don't accidentally send or just fire it off too quickly. Take the time, take a breather. And this happened to me last week where I saw an email come in. I read it and was very frustrated when I read it. And I almost responded immediately. I said, you know what? Let me just kind of 
take a step. I walked out of my office, you know, kind of took a little bit of a break, came back in. I reread the email and I misread the email wow. incorrectly the first time. I, because wow. I, as soon as I started reading within the first couple of sentences, my, I was getting frustrated. And then I hurry and read through the rest of it and I missed something. I misread something. And I am so thankful that I didn't respond immediately because it would just would not have been good. It was, error was on my part. So real life, those tips do help to just give yourself a breather, step away, do not respond to things immediately, take the names out of the two lines. It will absolutely help your career. And also don't forward it to someone thinking, oh, I'm going to complain about this. I'm going to make my, put my two cents in there, you know, because you might have included all. And yes. then that person sees that you're talking about them and how frustrated. So that's the whole issue with avoiding. Yes. We vent to other people. And sometimes in today's world, that leaks out in so many ways, whether it's through email, a, a, a speaker left on while we're still talking, um, a text. So be very careful. I remind yeah. myself of that all the time, because when we get busy, even the best communicators and even people that teach this stuff, everybody's human. And you're going to have to eat a lot of crow if you're not, if you just don't have some rules, like I don't email back when I'm angry. I'm very careful who I share. Like, look at this. I, I'm very careful with that. Just try to be very pure because it will come back to bite you and you'll be so sorry that you did it. Absolutely. I would say probably once a week, maybe every, every other week I get, either I get or I send a text message to the wrong person. Someone sent it to me. It's typically not anything bad. They just were meant to send right. it to somebody else. And it comes, I'm like, hey, this is not meant for me, but it does happen. And just imagine if that was somebody either you're complaining about or whatever it may be, and you send it to them. Absolutely. Take your time, take the breathers and really be very conscious of what you're communicating and with whom you are communicating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Marlene, who has, who's been somebody that has really helped influence your communication style as you've really gone through these different phases of your career? Who's influenced you and what have you really taken, adapted and kind of made your own? Wow. I just, I honestly cannot name one person. Everybody can influence me in different ways. I look more at than the person. I look more at habits that I want to adopt or, or that I don't want to have. I'll say that Toastmasters helped me with understanding structure of a presentation, even though some of that's a little old school, it is still very helpful in tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them, opening body close, like that's still relevant. Mm -hmm. That has been very helpful. One thing I notice a lot and I, I try to be mindful of, and it's not one person or any individual it's just I notice a lot of times there that people have a habit of never taking a breath there's never like some people are so verbose and whether it's on the platform of zoom and you're you get into group calls and there's one person or two that dominate like they know each other hey I saw you at the golf game last week blah blah and you've got five minutes for group share and they're talking about something that no one else is interested in you either have mm -hmm. to bring everybody in and do that or else you have to say, well, we'll talk about that later. We're here with this group. So it's this lack of awareness that you're hogging the air. That is something I try to be very careful about. There's some people do not leave an opening, even especially on uh, service, uh, personal service calls. You know, when someone's trying to service you, you're dying to say, but wait a minute, that's not my issue. And they're just talking, 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 talking mm -hmm. like a script. So that's something that I work on. Mm -hmm. um, I just look at habits and patterns that 
I don't want or that I want to develop. One that I'm working on as well when I do LinkedIn lives is to watch my filler words. And that's more of a technical issue. Mm -hmm. Just to be okay with the silence and quit saying so, so, so. Quit repeating the word so or you know so often. Absolutely. And it's funny, so is one of those words that I catch myself using more as a transition statement. And with Communispawn, we do a lot of training around how to eliminate those filler words. And one of the benefits of doing the podcast is that I get to hear myself quite frequently, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it does allow me to pick up on things that I'm like, gosh, every transition I'm saying so. Too. One of the things now that I had that self-awareness was starting to work on, rather than saying so, I can use the guest's name. Marlene, tell me a little bit about. That has helped me to eliminate that a little bit in addition to using pauses. I'm a huge fan of the pause for a number of reasons. It allows you to just simply slow down so you're not gonna run out of breath, let your brain catch up to your mouth, which almost immediately will eliminate the ums, the ahs, the wells, as you slow down, your brain's able to catch up. You're going to eliminate those. And then the thing that you touched on, when you take a pause, you give somebody else the opportunity to speak up. Because if I'm going a mile a minute for 15 minutes, I could have just wasted maybe the last 10 minutes of what I said were worthless to the person that I was talking with. Have you take those pauses, give everyone 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 once in a while, a chance to interject because they can help you course correct. You could be going down a path where, well, you know what, Scott, that's not really that much important to me. I wanted to focus on A, B, and C that you had touched on earlier. Yeah, so it is, it's respectful to do. It's so draining to be in a room with someone who doesn't master their energy. And I've been that person, excited, on a roll. And then I said, and then I did, and enough about me, what do you think about me? taking that breath to let the other person just grab what you said and just presence. That excitement is sort of a lack of awareness. It's just excitement, 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 that nonstop excitement. Believe it or not, others don't find it appealing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a little much. Absolutely. Marlene, as we wrap up here, I want to be respectful of time. What advice would you have for somebody, whether they're fresh out of school Maybe they are working factory job, but they realize that's not for them. They want to make, make a pivot and do something different. They're starting their own business, whatever it may be. What advice would you have to them around communication skills or the important role that they can play throughout their journey? Be a learner. Be willing to learn and get rid of any defensiveness you have when someone says something, whether that person is right or wrong. Just take the breath. You don't need to defend it. You're at a certain level of learning. We all make mistakes. I still make mistakes. The hardest part of learning is to just let your ego get out of the way. You can determine whether or not it's valid. You know, information when someone gives you feedback that you talk too much, you talk too fast, you interrupt. It's easy to defend that by saying, well, you just need to listen faster. Or I'm just a go-getter. I get things done. Of course. But the more you need to justify something means that you're not considering it as something that could help you, even if it was delivered in a way that you couldn't quite, um, you had to kind of take it on the chin. Just be willing to be curious about how other people see you. And then on your inner game, be very careful about how you see other people. 
try your best to see people as equal value to you, even in different roles, regardless, the person that's sweeping the floor, the person that's the head of the company, if you can make it a practice to see people as equal in value as a human being, that will change the nature of all of your relationships versus running after power or disrespecting people that you don't think have what you have. You might be really surprised. Things change, things go in circles and cycles, and you never know when the person that seems like nothing to you could be the niece or nephew of the person that you think is so important. So just treat people as equal value, and that's the inner game of communication. Huge fan of that, and because you never know where where this journey is going to take us. And before our, our episode today, before we started recording, I was on the phone with an old colleague and he's just talking about his network and different things that he's working on. He said, it's amazing how all the circles touch. He just continues to run into people from different phases of his life and his career that he's now collaborating with, doing different things with. So absolutely, I think you can learn from everyone. You touched on it earlier. Learn what to do, learn what not to do. You may not be in your ideal environment or where you want to be at or where you want to finish at, but learn, learn from your boss, learn from the people on your team, learn from the other people on the, the shop floor, whatever it is that if you pick up on something that, you know, that person, they, they make me feel special when I talk with them, or this person is very clear, or I really feel like they're listening when I bring that to them. Pick up on those things, try to incorporate it into your own daily interactions because it'll only serve you well as you continue to move on. Absolutely. And it never hurts even to compliment that person on, you know, like if you see someone that has a calm nature and that means a lot to you, just to be able to say, I really appreciate how calm you are when you're doing your work, or I really appreciate how you have a question that, that creates a distinction. And the more that we tell other people what we appreciate about them, it encourages them to see themselves in that way. And it encourages you to try it more. And, you know, it's funny, I had the opportunity to do that like two weeks ago. There And I've talked about this person quite a bit throughout my career and throughout this show and a lot of the other marketing stuff we do for Communispond, but an executive that I used to work with was such a phenomenal listener. And one of the things that he did was whenever you were talking with him, whenever you would finish, he took a beat. Sometimes a second, maybe two. Sometimes it felt like an eternity because most people don't do that. But he took the time to not just immediately jump in and respond. He processed, he listened. And to me, that made me feel like he really was listening to what I was bringing to him and not just waiting to respond. And that always meant a lot to me. And so he had reached out and we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and I shared that with him. We were on a Zoom call and just to see him light up when, when I said that, he's, oh yeah, that's so great to hear. I really encourage my team to do that as well. So it is, it's important when you see these good behaviors, you see these great things, share that with the person about how, how you see that, how it makes you perceive them, how it makes you feel, because they're going to continue to do that and then hopefully spread it to other people. Absolutely. Marlene, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate your time and the great tips that you shared with the listeners and hope you have a great day. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. A special thanks again to my guest, Marlene Chisholm. One of my big takeaways from this episode is around speaking to the observed behavior rather than just making assumptions or accusing someone of feeling a certain way. Speaking to the behavior helps make both sides more aware and allows for an open discussion. 
If you've been enjoying the show, leaving a rating or review would be greatly appreciated. And as always, if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.